This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Malik yawmiddin. Allahumma laka alhamdu wa ilayka al-mushtaka wa bika thiqatu wa alayka al-tuklan wa la hawla wa la quwwata illa billahi al-alayu al-azim. رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم لا سهل إلا ما جعلته سهلا وأن تجعل الحزن إذا شئت سهلا اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا وحبيبنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه ومن اهتدى بهديه واستنى بسنته ودعا بدعوته إلى يوم الدين إن شاء الله تعالى this is a continuation of our التفسير class التفسير of سورة البقرة and we are at ayah number 217. Um, the ayah before that was speaking about the act of worship, jihad fi sabilillah, fighting for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In previous lessons, we spoke in detail about what that means, what it entails, when it is done, and feel free to go back to our previous talks to have more detail about that. But uh, in the ayah number 216, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, كُتِبَ عَلَيْكُمُ الْقِتَالُ وَهُوَ كُرْهٌ لَكُمْ Allah mentions, fighting in the way of Allah has been uh, made obligatory upon you while it is something that you dislike. When the Sahaba were told that they need to fight against Quraysh, and they had to endure uh, battle, Badr, uh, Uhud, Khandaq, Hunayn, and many others, it wasn't an easy task. This is why uh, the Prophet ﷺ also Tabuk, for instance, it wasn't an easy task. And it isn't something that uh, comes naturally to people to put your life on the line. It's uh, Bravery is not something that is uh, a trait for everyone. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has obligated it. Um, this is why uh, if the great imam, the ruler, drafts the men to fight, they fight. They f- uh, it happens even in, in non-Islamic uh, countries, right? Drafting. But the difference is, here it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that has made this ibadah. And there's great reward in it if you have the right intention, of course. But Allah mentions that one may dislike it. And then Allah gave us a principle and it may be that you dislike something and it is better for you. And this is the principle for everything. You may dislike waking up for Fajr but it is better for you. You may uh, dislike uh, or, you, uh, or find it difficult and uh, fasting in the heat on a summer uh, Ramadan but then it is better for you. A lot of things are better for you. Who tells you what's better for you? Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Why does Allah tell us what's better for us? Because Allah knows us better than we know ourselves. Allah knows what's best for us, for humanity, for everyone. Because He is Al-Alim, the All-Knowing. He is Al-Hakim, the All-Wise. He is Al-Rahman, the Most Merciful. He is Al-Latif, the Most Gentle. Allah knows everything. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He created us. And then He commands us. And His commands are best for His creation. وَعَسَىٰ أَنْ تَكْرَهُ شَيْءٍ And it may be that you dislike something. 
وَهُوَ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ But that is better for you. وَعَسَى أَن تُحِبُّ الشَّيْنِ It may be that you enjoy or like or love something. وَهُوَ شَرٌ لَكُمْ And it is bad for you. وَاللَّهُ يَعْلَمُ Allah knows. وَأَنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ And you do not know. Trust Allah. Trust Allah's commandments. Believe in Allah. Believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's statements. This is what we need to do. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنِ الشَّهْرِ الْحَرَامِ قِتَالٍ فِيهِ يَسْأَلُونَكَ They will ask you. Who? The companions are asking a question. Who are they asking? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Sahaba would ask the Prophet sallallahu about rulings. And there are about 13 ayat in the Quran where the Sahaba asked the Prophet something. يَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنِ الْخَمْرِ يَسْأَلُونَكَ مَاذَا يُنْفِقُونَ يَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنِ الْمَحِيضِ Many ayats. Yes, alunaka, they will ask you. And these questions were all beneficial. Like Abdullah ibn Abbas said, uh, they would not ask the Prophet something, illa kana nafi'an lahum, it was beneficial for them and the people that came after them. Here, a question came up about shahrul haram, the sacred months, more specifically fighting in them. They will ask you concerning fighting in these sacred months. Why are they asking the Prophet ﷺ about this? There's a story or there's a Sawa Nuzul for this that the scholars mention. You have to understand the Prophet ﷺ, and this is important that every Muslim reads the seed of the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ and the Sahaba were in a very hostile environment. From the beginning of Islam, they were abused, they were tortured, and they were suffering at the hands of the idol-worshipping Quraysh. Many of them were killed they, some of them fled to Abyssinia. And then, until the Prophet ﷺ himself had to flee Mecca, because they were planning on killing him. And then after that, it was a very hostile environment, wars happened. And the Sahab and the Prophet would defend themselves, and sometimes they would do preemptive strikes as well, offensive and defensive. Now, the Prophet ﷺ was a prophet, but he was also a leader, and a military leader as well. So he would sometimes send expeditions, scouts, small group of companions to see what Quraysh is up to. And there was this one time where he sent some companions to Patnakhla. Patnakhla, which is a place between Mecca and Taif. And there were many great companions that were in this expedition. Abdullah ibn Jahsh, Ukash ibn Mihsan, the companion who was promised Jannah. Um, among them was Waqid, uh, Ibn Abdullah al-Tamimi, and many others. And many others. Sa'ad ibn Waqas, radiallahu anhu. Eight of them. These eight companions, the Prophet ﷺ gave them particular instructions. But the way he did it was, he told them to go there and he gave them a paper. And he told them, only read it when you get there. So they got there, they read it, and it, it said, Tarasad. Qurayshan wa ta'allam akhbarahum. Spy on Quraysh and find out information about their whereabouts, their planning, their everything. That was their role. This was in the month of Rajab, which is a sacred month. Who can tell me the other three sacred months? Rajab is in the middle of the year. The other three sacred months are consecutive. Anyone want to tell me those? Because we mentioned them a few times in this class. Muharram. Okay, now you have to go backwards. Muharram, okay. The, the Hijjah, Ramadan is not a sacred month. 
and the Qaada, Barakallah fiqh. So is the Qaada, the Hijjah, Muharram, those three are consecutive, and then Rajab. So it was in the month of, so it was the end of Rajab. They came upon a caravan of Quraysh, and these companions, they attacked them. And they killed some men, took the caravan, and uh, captured some men as well. They were not ordered to do that by the Prophet They did it in a sacred month, and in a sacred month you're not allowed to fight. So these Sahaba clearly made a error, a mistake. They come back to the Prophet and the Prophet admonishes them, said, did I tell you to do that? Have I commanded you to do this? But, Quraysh used this as an opportunity to smear campaign against the believers. Look at them, there's nothing they respect, they don't respect sacred months, killing, and all of this. So it was an opportunity, and, 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 and even the, the believers, the other believers, the, the, uh, these Sahaba were chastised for this. Now, the Sahaba asked the Prophet ﷺ, so what is the ruling of fighting in this sacred month? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answers this whole incident in the desire. Now, يَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنِ الشَّهْرِ الْحَرَامِ قِتَالٍ فِيهِ They ask you concerning fighting in the sacred months. قُلْ Say to them, قِتَالٌ فِيهِ كَبِيرٌ Fighting therein is a great transgression. It is a kabira, a major sin. Thus telling us that what those companions did was what? Clearly wrong. But then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the Quraysh themselves and their double standards. This is why um, uh, there's a statement, Perhaps someone else should have said that. You Quraysh, you are going to point fingers about a killing that happened. You who banished Rasulullah from Mecca. You who tortured the believers for years on end. You who killed Sumayya. You who did this and that. You who are disbelievers. You who have rejected the final messenger. You who worship idols. You dare to reprimand. That is not your job. You don't get to say that. Naam. What the Sahaba did was wrong. Say to them, Qitalun fihi kabir. Fighting in those sacred months is a great transgression. But then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَصَدٌ عَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَكُفْرٌ بِهِ وَالْمَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ وَإِخْرَاجُ أَهْلِهِ مِنْهُ أَكْبَرُ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, But a greater transgression is to prevent mankind from following the way of truth. It is to disbelieve in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is to banish the people from the haram. Because not only are the months sacred, Mecca is sacred. And that sanctity meant nothing to you when you were spilling blood of the believers. And that sanctity meant nothing to you when you were chasing away Rasulullah in order to kill them. And that sanctity meant nothing to you when you gave as a, a, a when you put a bounty on Rasulullah's head, a hundred camels for the one who kills him. So you are the last person that get to reprimand the beloved companions for this error. And to and to do fitna. 
which some scholars said is the disbelief itself. Your disbelief is minhu. Your, your disbelief will fitna to akbaru. It is greater min al qatl than the killing. In other words, oh Quraysh, what you're up to is far, far worse. Well, fitna to akbaru min al qatl. Here you learn something. You learn that um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is teaching us that not all sins are equal. Very important. Not all sins are equal. And also that you don't ever let the disbelievers have a moral high ground on the believers. The one who uh, is more deserving to be admonished and reprimanded is the kuffar. Especially those that are killing. Such as the idol worshippers of, of, uh, worshippers of Quraysh. And anyone that follows them. This is something that, the, that they did. Look at Fir'aun and Musa. Allah when he talks about Fir'aun. The, greatest, the biggest criminal on this earth. إِنَّ فِرْعَوْنَ عَلَى فِي الْأَرْضِ وَجَعَلْ أَهَلْهَا شِيعًا Allah talks about how he was arrogant. How he abused. Uh, he would punish them, torture them. He would uh, murder and slaughter their sons. Every year, babies being killed by Fir'aun and his people. He enslaved the Banu Israel while they were free. He claimed to be the Rabbul Alameen. Do you think Fir'aun has, would ever have the audacity to claim the moral high ground? What did he say to Musa? He said, oh, and remember what you've done Musa. Remember that thing that you've done. What was that? The accidental killing of the Coptic, of the Qibti. So he's repra- he was ordering for years on end the murdering of children. And when Musa says, say la ilaha illallah, when Musa speaks to him in the most gentlest of manners, because Allah told him, speak to him in a gentle manner, he brings up, remember when you killed that one guy. Same thing here. Same thing here. And you see this today as well. See this today as well. You'll see countries that will carpet bomb cities out of existence. Drop bombs on masakeen, abriya. But then they will outrage over a rainbow's flag are not allowed. This is wrong and that is wrong. Do Muslims make mistakes? They do. Did those Sahaba not make a mistake? They did. But what is that mistake compared to what is happening? And Allah is calling that out. But it is important that when we do call out when we do call out the double standard, that we don't blind ourselves from the error that some Muslims may be committing. Look at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how he spoke about the incident. Allah bada bi dhikri muslimin Yes, you asked about the, the fighting in the sacred months. Qul fihi kabir. It is a major sin. It is a great transgression. You mentioned that. But then, لَوْ لَا غَيْرُكُمْ قَالَ هَذَا 
Perhaps it wasn't that Quraysh should not have said that. They have absolutely no leg to stand on as they say. And it's important that we understand this. Let's look at one by one the things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that Quraysh did. Number one. Allah mentions, وَصَدٌ عَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ To obstruct people from the way of Allah. This can be done in many ways. It can be done by actually stopping them from being able to practice. Closing down the masajid. Refusing them entry. It could be done by uh, um, doing propaganda against the callers of truth, like they did. Calling the Prophet Majnoon, calling the Prophet names, preventing people from listening to them. They used to actually go out and say to people, put earplugs, do not listen to Muhammad no matter what. This is Sadan Sabilillah. Because you are preventing people from guidance. You are preventing people from truth. You are preventing people from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Among that is that uh, to spread doubts within the people. And because of that, they leave the religion. All of these are ways. In other words, everything that you're doing that is preventing the truth reaching the people is sabilillah. It is obstructing in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, from the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is a greater sin than what Waqid uh, ibn Abdullah Tamimi and all the other companions did. And to disbelieve in Allah. My brothers and sisters, understand this. Disbelief in Allah is the greatest sin. To deny Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's no great There's no greater sin. This is why disbelievers are not allowed entry into Jannah. Everyone else, no matter if you're a believer, no matter what sin you commit, eventually, even if you are punished, you will end up in Jannah. There's a reason for that. There's no greater sin than to reject the truth and to reject the messengers. Quraysh dared to claim the moral high ground. How dare you fight in the in Rajab? The other thing is, they themselves killed, murdered, and maimed in Rajab and in Dhul Hijjah and in Dhul Qa'da. And in all, any of these months. They had no they, they they held no sanctity. The hypocrisy of Quraysh is clear. Not only that, Allah then mentions minhu and to uh, banish and remove the people and drive out its inhabitants from Mecca. Mecca is meant to be safe. Allah calls it a safe sanctuary. And they messed all of that up. They kicked out their prophet. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions these things. These are all greater in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَالْفِتْنَةُ and the fitna, The disbelief. Or the trialing and the tribulations that you've put the believers through. Akbaru is a greater transgression. مِنَ الْقَتْلِ than the killing that happened. Now, one of the things that happened was, is that one may assume that the transgression that was committed by these companions resulted in the perpetuating of the fighting. No, look what you've done now. Now we are going to go to war with Quraysh because you've killed a few of them, right? Allah said, وَلَا يَزَالُونَ يُقَاتِلُونَكُمْ They would have never stopped fighting you anyway. They would have never stopped fighting anyway. وَلَا يَزَالُونَ يُقَاتِلُونَكُمْ And they will never cease fighting you. 
they will never cease fighting you. What did they do? Badr happened, a year later, they were at the doorstep of Medina, at Uhud. Um, and then they were, came back again with a coalition at Khandaq. And again and again and again, they will never cease fighting you. Until you turn back from your religion, if they can. So, what is the objective of the disbelievers? What, what is the objective? Allah mentions it many times in the Quran. They will never be pleased with you. The Yahud and the Nasara will never be pleased with you until you follow their religion. They will never be pleased with you. What did Allah say about the kuffar generally? They wish that you disbelieved like they disbelieved. Be like us, then we can be friends. As long as you stand up for your own truth, for your own values, for the deen of Allah, we are not the same and they will continue attacking you in whatever way that they can. Change, become like us, then good job. Anything other than that. This is why you sometimes see, well, this is a tragedy, you sometimes see some, I hope, I wish to say well-meaning Muslims, um, that will, they will change their whole faith to be accepted. There was one such individual, I think this happened, this is in America. Um, she, it, she uh, is normalizing all sorts of fahisha. All sorts of fahisha. This is, this is fine, this is fine. Parading with uh, the worst of the worst, calling towards um, uh, the abolishment of certain laws that are Islamic, and all of this, right? Ticks every box. And then what? What box do you refuse to tick? The issue of Palestine. No. Palestine, this is, you know, she stood up for Palestine. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide her and guide us all. It doesn't matter how many causes you support. It doesn't matter how many causes you support. It doesn't matter if you remove your hijab. It doesn't matter if you shave your beard. It doesn't matter if you talk like us, just like us. It doesn't matter if you insult other Muslims. It, are you fully on board with our project? The Kufr project? Are you fully on board? No? No. Allah said that. You have to follow everything else. They will never be pleased with you. So, look at that. You sold your whole deen and they're still rejecting you. You sold your whole deen. You're like, okay, everything I'm happy with you, just Palestine. No, not even that. We have to be smart, ikhwani fillah. Don't sell your religion. You're going to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَلَا يَزَالُونَ يُقَاتِلُونَكُمْ حَتَّى يَرُدُّوكُمْ عَنْ دِينِكُمْ إِنَ اسْتَطَاعُوا And they will never cease fighting you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said. So, these sahaba, these sahaba should not have done what they have done, and they were reprimanded for it, but it's not like what they did caused the fighting. It was always going to happen, and it was always going to continue happening. And until the Prophet ﷺ established himself in Mecca and conquered Mecca, the kuffar of the Quraysh were always attacking the, the Muslims. So what is the what was the goal of Quraysh? What is the goal of the kuffar generally speaking? To turn you away from your religion, and then Allah warns us of the consequences of leaving your religion. Allah says, وَمَنْ يَرْتَدِدْ مِنْكُمْ عَنْ دِينِهِ and whosoever turns back from his religion, if you leave Islam, فَيَمُتْ and dies upon that. وَهُوَ كَافِرٌ while he is rejecting the truth and is a kafir. 
فَأُولَٰئِكَ those people حَبِطَتْ أَعْمَالُهُمْ all of their deeds will be lost الدنيا والآخرة in this life and the hereafter وَأُولَٰئِكَ أَصْحَابُ النَّارِ and they will be the dwellers of the fire may Allah protect us هُمْ فِيهَا خَالِدُونَ and they will abide in there forever this is the warning from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for those that leave Islam they will abide in hellfire forever طيب so it's a warning do not let the pressure get to you and then you leave Islam stay firm upon your religion the scholars they talk about and uh, uh, what does it mean for your deeds to be gone for example uh, someone apostates and then dies what about their previous good deeds the hajj that they have done the prayers that they have prayed istighfar they have done it won't matter it will all be gone your kufr will destroy all of that does that make sense but what if the person repents and comes back? So someone, let's say, Ali, was a believer, and then he left, and then he came back. Will his goodness be reinstated or not? Or do you have to start from scratch? Fair question, right? The scholars differed over this. Some of them said, if the person repents, his deeds are gone. Because it is that this earlier disbelief that you've committed that destroys all of your good deeds. Right? So if you've done hajj, you need to do another hajj. Uh, the Shafi'iyah, uh, they say, Imam Shafi'i's madhab, that the person's deeds stay. The person's deeds stay. Which is interesting. You know what's interesting is, with regards to ridda, that when you're reading the chapter of purification or wudu, they mention among things that break your wudu. And they mention, you know, um, relieving yourself, and they mention, uh, so they used to mention ridda as well. Leaving Islam You're like How? Why would they mention this? But Let's say someone falls into kufr Repents And he still has his wudu Right? The, the, the job of fuqaha and jurists Is to think of every scenario And give an answer for it Even if it's very unlikely That's their job Sometimes you're reading a fiqh book And you're wondering Why are they talking about this? This doesn't make sense But It is their job That's why all these volumes of fiqh that you see They imagine scenarios and wallahi, we, 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 today we benefit from some of this, uh, some of the, um, the, uh, hypothetical scenarios that they thought of because now they are actual realities. This is the benefit of the fuqaha. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserve them all. So, um, may Allah protect us from, from ridda as well. May Allah protect us from ridda as well. It is very dangerous. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep us firm upon the, the faith. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive our sins. Allah mentioned in the Quran, uh, speaking to our messenger. Layin ashraqta. If you commit shirk, your deeds will be gone. Allah said this to the Prophet Allah said to many prophets, and this is very powerful in Surah in Surah Al-Am, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, Surah Al-Am, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, uh, after mentioning many many prophets, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "Walau ashraku lahabita anhum." Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions Let's read the ayats and let's see if anyone can keep track of how many prophets that it mentions يقول الله عز وجل وتلك حجتنا آتيناها إبراهيم على قومه نرفع درجات من نشاء إن ربك حكيم عليم وهبنا له إسحاق ويعقوب 
كُلًّا هَدَيْنَا وَنُوحًا هَدَيْنَا مِنْ قَبْلُ وَمِنْ ذُرِّيَّتِهِ دَاوُودَ وَسُلَيْمَانَ وَأَيُّوبَ وَيُوسُفَ وَمُوسَى وَهَارُونَ وَكَذَلِكَ نَجْزِي الْمُحْسِنِينَ وَزَكَرِيَّا وَيَحْيَى وَعِيسَى وَإِلْيَاسَ كُلٌّ مِنَ الصَّالِحِينَ وَإِسْمَاعِيلَ وَالْيَسَعَ وَيُونُسَ وَلُوطًا وَكُلًّا فَضَّلْنَا عَلَى الْعَالَمِينَ ومن آبائهم وذرياتهم وإخوانهم واجتبيناهم وهديناهم إلى صراط مستقيم ذلك هدى الله يهدي به من يشاء من عباده ولو أشركوا لحبط عنهم ما كانوا يعملون How many prophets? 18 prophets Allah mentions 18 prophets and Allah says to the Rasulullah ذلك هدى الله That is the guidance of Allah يهدي به من يشاء من عباده with which he guides whomsoever he wills from his servants. Walau ashraku, all those great prophets that I mentioned. Walau ashraku, and if they had joined in worship others with Allah and committed kufr, la habita anhum ma kanu yamalun. All that they used to do of good deeds would have been of no benefit to them. Look at that warning. Those great prophets, Allah is telling us this. This shows you, and to them it is an impossibility. It is impossible for those great prophets to fall into shirk and yet Allah is warning if even if they fell into shirk they would have no deed. So what should we be thinking? May Allah keep us firm. Towards that end Allah mentions uh, Rasulullah sallallahu All those great prophets those are the ones whom Allah guided. And follow them in their guidance. Which shows you even Rasulullah sallallahu is following a legacy. And it's important that we understand that the legacy of Islam, it goes beyond Rasulullah to all those great messengers. The point I'm trying to make here is, shirk, kufr, it destroys all your good deeds. And if someone repents, what did we say? The scholars differ over it. Some said that your good deeds remain, and what others said, they're gone forever. May Allah protect us from that eventuality. Um, these companions that committed this error and this transgression and Allah mentioned that they act was a kabirah قُلْ قِتَالٌ فِيهِ كَبِيرٌ they were worried what does this mean about them Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then the following ayah speaks about them and anyone similar to them because these great companions they were believers they were muhajirs that made hijrah for the sake of Allah, traveled from Mecca to Medina, left their home for the sake of Allah. They were mujahids, they fought for the sake of Allah. Allah says, amanu. Very those who have believed. Hajaru. And those who have migrated for the sake of Allah and His religion. Wajahadu fi sabilillah. And those that had fought and went through difficulty and exerted themselves in the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, أُولَٰئِكَ يَرْجُونَ رَحْمَةَ اللَّهِ All these will hope for Allah's mercy. وَاللَّهُ غَفُورٌ رَّحِيمٌ And Allah is the oft forgiving and merciful. In other words, what you did was wrong, but it was a mistake that is drowning in an ocean of goodness. And that's how we should perceive our sahaba and the companions. And there were many that made some mistakes. And the Prophet would, be, would reprimand them. Right? Uh, yeah, there is a hadith where the Prophet said to Mu'ad, Afatan, anta ya Mu'ad, Mu'ad, are you a Fatan? 
right? A fitna, a person that's causing issues for, and, and making the religion difficult. The Prophet ﷺ reprimanded Khalid ibn Walid when, and, and, and Usama ibn Zayd. Oh Allah, I am bereaved from what Khalid have done. Um, when Osama killed a man after he said La ilaha illallah and he was in battle the Prophet ﷺ said did you kill him after he said La ilaha illallah and the Prophet reprimanded him as well the, what you see here is that the Sahaba were not infallible they will make mistakes but we still hold them in the highest regards possible because the actions that they've done, the defending of this religion, the spreading of it, the, the, they went hungry for it, they traveled for it, they were killed for it. This is an ocean of goodness and righteousness uh, uh, that is more than the mistakes that they have committed. What are some of the lessons that we learned from this ayah? Number one, that the Sahaba would ask the Prophet ﷺ questions, الحرام, and that the Prophet would answer them, he was there, Mufti, if you like. We learn from it that there are sacred months, and in these sacred months, there are certain rulings among them that you're not allowed to fight, live in, and they, are, they have sanctity. Although the scholars differ over, is this an abrogated ayah? Is this an abrogated ayah? Why? Because some of the ulama believe that in, uh, this, the restrictions on uh, the, the fighting, uh, not, the not fighting in the sacred months has been lifted, and others say this ayah is not abrogated. Now, we also mentioned how uh, Allah mentioned that the fighting and the qital that those Sahaba did was a kabira, and it was a transgression, and it was a great transgression. And that teaches you that not all sins are the same. Some are major sins, some are minor sins. Some scholars say the major sins are only seven. The seven great destructive sins mentioned in hadith. Others said it's about 17. Some said up to 70. But the more correct view is that there's no limited number. There's no number on it. Rather, you have to have a principle. And that principle is every sin that is promised hellfire, every sin that Allah curses the people that do it, every sin that Allah mentioned that He's angry at those that do it, is a major sin. So when you find those descriptions, if you had the hadith, cursed are the one who do such and such, that's a major sin. Those who do such and such will go to the hellfire, that is a major sin. Those um, uh, uh, who do this, Allah is angry with them, that is a major sin. So those are the descriptions that you find in an ayah or a hadith, that will tell you that is what? A major sin and Allah knows best. A good book to read is The Major Sins by Al-Imam Al-Dhahabi. Major Sins by Al-Imam Al-Dhahabi. Another scholar, Ibn Hajar Al-Haytami, also has a book. Uh, his book, Al-Zawajir. Ibn Hajar Al-Haytami, great Shafi scholar. He also has a book where he listed the major sins. I believe Muhammad Al-Dhahab, Rahmahullah, uh, also has one. And there are plenty others. Here we've done a series on the major sins uh, as well, uh, a number of years ago. Several times actually with different speakers. Tayyib, um, among the things that we learn from this ayah is that the crimes of the kuffar of Quraysh far exceed in number and in severity than the error and the mistake and the sinful act that the sahaba fell into. Those particular sahaba, I should say. We learn from this ayah that the goal, objective of the disbelievers is to turn as many people away from Islam. We learn that whoever leaves Islam and, and, and goes, turns away from this religion, that Allah said that their deeds will be in vain and, and, and they will be of no use. And we mention the difference of opinion as it relates to if they come back, uh, what should happen. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. And finally Allah said that those who believe and have made hijrah 
and have made jihad fi sabilillah, they are the ones that are hoping the mercy of Allah and Allah is the oft forgiving and the most merciful. We conclude here and next week inshallah ta'ala we'll go through a, a, another question that the Sahaba posed about alcohol. Yes, alulak alil khamr. Barakallahu fikum. We stop there. Hada wa akhir da'wana anil hamdulillahi rabbil alameen. This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org.